No one's coming to save you. No one's coming to give you what you need. No one's coming to see like, okay, well, I'm better than this person. Why don't I get the same? Why is why does everybody know that person and not me? Well, because visibility beats ability. You know, this you have to be known. But also, no one's coming to save you. No one owes you anything. Welcome to A Better Life with Brandon Turner. That is me, where world-class guests share their wisdom on building a better life. Join me as we explore the habits, the actions, and the beliefs that have guided their journey with the aim of helping you apply those lessons to your own. Valentina Brega, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Super pumped about this. So I know you as, first of all, Alex introduced me to you as the master world's best at helping him find a virtual assistant. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so I, I know that about you. I know you can help you with that. I know that you moved to the U.S. not all that long ago, and mm-hmm. I want to dig into that today. Uh, I know you help with like real estate lead generation, and I know mm-hmm. you got a cool story, some kids, cute husband, hi, <laughs> and much more. So that's who you are today, but take us way back. Who was Valentina? You know, I realized that everything that happened in my life happened for a reason. You you want to cast a certain vision. You want to do certain things. And they don't turn out the way you want to. Mm. And then I'm like, okay, well, you know what? It's actually for the best now. Because my story goes way even before I moved to the States. I moved to the States in 2018 mm. in search for a better life, obviously, right? <laughs> but my desire to come here goes w- way back. I was born in Moldova. And if you haven't heard about this country, that's okay. Not a lot of people Yeah, I've heard the name, but I don't know. I couldn't tell you where it is on a map. It's it's fine. It's like so small. It's about the size of Maryland. It's it's landlocked. It's the least visited country in Europe. It's (laughs) the poorest country in Europe, too. So when I was a kid, we were really struggling financially. It was uh, part of the Soviet Union, you know. So when it collapsed, it was a huge economic crisis, financial crisis. And I saw poverty and just a lot of things that a child probably my age shouldn't see. And I'd gone through a lot. And I remember just going to bed at night and I would dream about my future. Like when I grow up, I'm going to do this and I'll do this. And, you know, and I would just dream about these things that I couldn't experience. My parents placed a lot of importance on me getting a good education. So they said, especially my mom, and they said, you go to school, you do good in school, you get good grades and you can have a better life. You can have a better future. And that's what I did. I focused on English because to know English, that's opening doors to a lot of opportunities. And as m- the more I studied English, the more I wanted to come to the United States. But how? I mean, my parents don't speak any English. We couldn't have any. Sometimes we struggle to get food on the table, not to mention buy a plane ticket or, you know, fulfill my dreams. I mean, no one talked back then about pursuing your dreams. And, you know, like, that wasn't something that I heard growing up because we were we had other struggles. So I learned by myself uh, English and at school. And then I had this opportunity to come to the United States as an exchange student for free, mm. sponsored by the U.S. Department of State. And I said, this is my chance. I was 14 years old at the time. I would travel alone. And I applied to this program. It has three rounds. I passed the first round, passed the second round. I did not pass the last round. So, and of course, I was sad. I cried. It's like, that's it. My dream is not, you know, it's not going to come true. It's okay. I can apply again next year. I applied again next year. I didn't pass it. And then the third what, year... What was the criteria? Like, what weren't you passing? So there's three stages, if I remember right. The first one was a very quick English test just to see how well you speak English. So I always passed that one. The second one was more in-depth um, English test. And the third one was actually checking your maturity. I mean, you're 14 to 17 years old. You only have three years of 
to participate in this program. And they have to know that you're going to be alone on your on your own. You're traveling by yourself without your family. You're mm-hmm. going to stay with a host family in the States. You're going to attend an American high school that, you know, that you'll be okay. And they gave us three questions like, you come home from school, you open the fridge, there's food, you don't, you don't know what, what this is. What do you do? do? Are you taking the risk? Are you, you know, they're just uh, all of these kind of questions. So the last year that I applied, I got accepted. So I came to the States and I this experience has completely changed my mind. And I think this is the first time when I started understanding myself and understanding when I saw the world around me and when I was exposed to something bigger, something more. And I said, you know what? It is possible to want more from life than just mm. striving to put food on, on your table. I had a wonderful host family. We lived in Raleigh, North Carolina. I was 17 at the time. And the, the family dynamics, uh, extracurricular activities, go kids go play soccer and they, to me, this was such a foreign concept. And I was like, how do people have this good life? And I want the same thing. So after my experience with being an exchange student, I knew that I wanted to come here. I wanted to come to the States. So when I turned 18, I was applying to, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but there's a lottery, green card lottery, diversity visa. It's open to pretty much every country in the world, except for a few, but um, pretty much everything. And it, it is a lottery. Like you can apply, it's free, but the chances of getting that lottery is very slim very slim. It's probably like point zero point something, something percent, you know, wow. because I mean, people from all over the world apply to that. So I applied when I was 18. I got rejected. I wasn't selected as a lottery. It's like, okay, I'll do it again next year. When I was 19, not selected. 20, not selected. 21, not selected. The next year, not selected, not selected, not selected, not selected. 13 years later, 13 years later, maybe 14, but 13, I opened the program. Just, I already knew when it's time to apply, when it's time to check results. I open the computer and I see something looks different. It's not the, typically the message that I'm seeing. And it's like, maybe that's a fluke. You know, I turn the, the program off, I turn it back on, and it says, congratulations, you won the diversity visa lottery. Mm. So we had a whole year to prepare the documents, uh, medical records, you know, all of this stuff that, that was necessary. So we came here finally in 2018. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm trying to fight for something, and I always got rejection, 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 re- rejection. But I think what describes me the most, like, if you to answer your question, who am I? I don't know where to start, but I think it's probably this resilience shaped me to be who I am uh, today. And, you know, I always think about this, uh, you know, this um, meme or this picture where someone is digging through the tunnel and they're yeah. diamonds, yep. you know, and they give up too early. And they give up right too there. early. Yeah. That's right. And I always think about this. What if that was me? What if I didn't apply that one year? Yeah. You know, and I had twice when this proved to work for me. One, when I applied as an exchange student, because what if I had given up after the first trial? Yeah. What if I had said, you know what, this is clearly not for me. I'm not good enough. I'm not, you know, or I would have blamed someone else. No, instead I worked on myself. Like, That's what I want. And then with the green card, I mean, 13 years, year after year after year. What if that one year I would have given up? I don't know what my life would have been right now. Mm-hmm. But the way I am right now, I'm a happy mother, two kids, we have completely different life here in the United States. I wouldn't even have dreamt about the life we could have had. I mean, five years ago when we came here, you know, we were in a completely different state. So it is just the resilience. I guess that's if a lot of I don't know who, who's watching this, if a lot of people, maybe those who are watching us, maybe if they need a sign to not give yeah. up, just not today. Yeah. One more day, one more day, one more week, give you one more week, you know, but not don't give up just yet. That's beautiful. What were you doing at that time career-wise for those 13 years? Were you still in Moldova? I was. Okay. I was in Moldova. After my experience in the United States, I wanted to be an agent of change back home. 
I said, it is possible. I want to give people the opportunities that I saw in the States. So I had a, a school of foreign languages. I was an entrepreneur back home as well. So we would teach English to everyone, but I want to make an impact. So I, um, we did English courses for free for people who, who come from vulnerable families, for kids who don't have the opportunities that others do. In orphanages, for example, we'd go there, have English classes for free. People that come from socially vulnerable families or problematic families or abused families. And I want to give them a chance to fight for themselves. I want to give them a skill that, that might help them change their life. So that's what we did back home. I was an entrepreneur. Wow. Very cool. All right. So you got to the U.S. What position were you in? Do, do they give you money to get started? Do Are you are you set up with a, ha- a house or like, how does that work? Like you land in the U.S. and it's like, now what? Very good question. So I land in the U.S. and that's exactly what we did. That's exactly what we said. Okay, now what? Mm. Because we don't have a house. No one's giving you anything. I mean, yeah. you have this opportunity to come to the States. You don't have to take it if you don't want to. But <laughs> if you do take it, you're on your own, which it's understandable. We're adults. You have to be an adult when you apply to the program. So, yeah, we don't have a house. We don't have a car. We don't have any insurance. We don't have any credit history, any renting history. No one would rent anything to us. We don't have any jobs. And my daughter at the time, my oldest, was one year old. I have a one-year-old in my arms. And guess what? We had $400 in our pocket. Oh, wow. $400. That's a typical immigrant story. We had some money set aside for our trip to the U.S., but we couldn't access it from back home. They give us this device where they give you a pin code, you identify yourself. For some reason, it just, maybe it was fate. I don't know. Maybe it was fate, but it broke. So I called the bank back home and they said, here's what's going to happen. We can mail you another device. It's going to take a few months for you to get it, or you need to come back home Mm. and present yourself in person so we know it's really you. And it's like, I can't do this. I'm going to lose my green card if I leave the the country. And we're going to have to make it work with $400 in our pocket. Wow. So what'd you do? How do you turn $400 into a life you have today? So uh, luckily, the the city we moved to was Pensacola, Florida. One of my sisters lived in Pensacola, Florida. So that was my safety net. That's actually the reason we moved there. It's like, okay, just if anything, we have a community of people from Moldova. There's a, there's a community of people from Moldova. Uh, we can work together. We, we'll be okay, you know, when you're with people who lift you up. So my sister was actually moving to a different house. So we, they were okay to let us stay in their old apartment before the lease expires. And they covered the rent for us for the, what was that, a, a month or two months, something like that, before we could get on our feet. Because otherwise, it wouldn't be possible I don't know what else we would have done. But when I got to the States, the second day, I started applying for jobs. My goal was I'm going to apply to three jobs every single day, no matter what. And I applied to uh, banks, finance, you know, like, oh, because I studied finance, all of this stuff. And I saw this real estate opportunity to work from home. I was like, man, how great would it be to work from home? But the most likely not going to take me because I don't have any experience in real estate. So that tab was open on my browser for weeks probably before I got the courage to apply. (laughs) It's like, no one's going to take me. I don't know anything about real estate. I'm going to make a bad first impression, you know? So, but the time I got, uh, I got my first job, I received multiple offers, but because I didn't have a car, I couldn't accept anything else. There was a Walmart from a walking, walking distance from us. So inside Walmart, there was a subway across from Walmart is a target inside target. There's a Starbucks. And I said, well, you know what? That's potentially four, uh, job opportunities for me. And I'll do anything. We're going to give ourselves one year here in the States. I'm going to do anything here, but we're going to make it work. If not, if we're not happy in one year, we're just going to go back home. That was our our thing. 
And I said, even if I work at anything, put me in any position. I told my husband this, put me in any position in a couple of months, I will manage that place. I can move up from any position you put me to. So that's what we were thinking. That's where we we're going to go. I was like, you know what? One day it's like, let me just apply to this real estate company. It's most likely they're going to say no, but mm, oh well. So I applied and I got a call back. And after I had this interview, I told my husband, that's it. This is the company I want to work for. Mm. This is it. And the reason for that is because we were speaking the same language. We aligned the core values, the culture fit. It's so important to be with your community, with your people. And one interview, and I just realized I'm not applying anywhere else. Hopefully they get me. Yeah. And they did. And they did. Was that Bill? That was. Yeah. So tell me about Bill Allen. Oh, but if he listens to this, <laughs> he did not want to hire me. <laughs> uh, I actually spoke with the COO, mm. his chief operations officer. And Bill was like, uh, I like what you're telling me about her, but uh, she has an accent. She doesn't sound like a Southerner. So if she's the one to speak with people on the phone, because that was my job, I would qualify leads over the phone. Mm. It's like uh, probably people need to speak with someone who's, you know, um, has sounds more like them. And our COO, he said, Bill, if she's anything like what I think she is, we need her in our company. So he took a chance and he tells the, the same story too um, when we meet and when I speak on his stage at his events. And it's it was the right decision. I mean, it was phenomenal. I was so hungry to prove myself that I was hungry for, I mean, literally we needed money to, to survive. I wasn't even thinking about saving money or anything like that. I was like, okay, if we can cover rent, food and diapers for my daughter, we're good. That's all I was looking for at the time. And I was so hungry to prove myself that I learned everything about real estate. I got a sales coach. Well, I couldn't have the money to pay for the sales coach, but I went to our acquisition rep. I was like, teach me what you know. Teach me how you acquire properties. How can I be better on the phone so I can give you better leads for you to close to? You know, so I put so much effort into learning everything about real estate that in one month, everyone in my department was let go and it was just me. Oh, wow. <laughs> So what what made you good at, at lead generation? I mean, a lot of people listening to this podcast are real estate investors or they want to try to become one. So what made you good at that? I think um, my approach to lead qualification is I'm a very empathetic person and I really understand people's pain. So when they tell me about their pain, about what they go through, I feel it. And I have a just a genuine conversation with them. I'm not pushing. I'm not looking to make the clothes. I just really want to see if I can help them. And I see the real estate the job that I was doing, I saw it as a solution. I didn't see it as, oh, cold calling, I'm bothering people, or people call me in and they're going to, you know, call me names, or because sometimes that happens. But a lot of the times people call me and they were so thankful that to get to talk to me because we have the solution for their problem. And once you understand that, it shifts something in your mindset. When you start seeing yourself as a problem solver, then this job becomes, I think that's probably what sets me apart. It's not following a script. It's not following what to say or a guide, even though, yes, I, I do have a script now. I perfected it, but I don't follow it to a T. I just I actively listen to what people have to say. That's probably it's super simple, right? I mean, yeah, some people look at real estate investors, especially like wholesalers, flippers, people trying to buy off market deals. And they think those people are just taking advantage of people. But the best wholesalers, flippers, deal finders I know. They're out there solving problems. I haven't done a ton of off-market when it came to that. I bought a lot of MLS deals, but even the off-market deals, the, the ones that I did buy, like people were so, like they would cry at closing because yeah. I was solving some huge problem. Like, well, I had a woman one time, I bought this house, got a great deal on it, but her, she was renting it to her uncle and the uncle hadn't paid in six months and he had smoked like four packs a day and the walls were just thick. 
And she's just like, this property is declining in value. I can't sell it. I, I don't want to kick my uncle out or ruin family relationships, like all the stuff. And so I just like took care of it. And we ended up paying the uncle to leave. And like, we took care of the problem. We we're like, yeah, you don't have, she was so happy. Yes. Yeah. Cause you're just solving problems for people. Yes. And sometimes that problem, like, yeah, sometimes they, they're, the solution is they want top dollar. Fine. Go get an agent. But usually it's not. Exactly what you said here. If I think that somebody has a better option than by going with us, I would tell them. Yeah. I would just, you know what? I think you might have a better option by going with an agent yeah. because I'm not trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Yeah. And that's what I tell the uh, the, the people, the, the team that I hired later on for the real estate company. I hired my, a team under me. I was promoted three months afterwards. After I was um, hired, I was promoted in three months and then I had to hire my own team. And that's exactly what I said. We are not going to be a solution for everyone. Understand what it is that the company is looking for. Who is our avatar? And then you're not a magician. You're you're not an alchemist. You know, you can't change non-leads into leads. Yeah. You're just a sifter. You can't change them. You just sift through them. You know, you go through lots and lots of leads to find those golden nuggets. But even if it looks like gold, but it's not gold, it's not gold. It's If it's copper, it's not gold. You know, we're looking for, we know you have to be like, you know exactly what it is that you're looking for. And don't sound desperate on the phone. I think this is a lot of a, a big mistake that I saw people making. Like, for example, let's say, Someone says, I'm not really interested in selling. And then you push it like, well, hear us out. We can do this for you. We can close on a day that works for you. Not even for the right offer. Uh, what about we do this? You know, wait, th that makes us sound desperate and yeah. sellers feel the desperation. If you're not helping them out, then, you know, just don't That's a good Res point. respect that, you know. Yeah. I like the idea of you're not an alchemist. You're not turning a, no. a non-lead into a lead. Exactly. You're looking for the ones that are already ready to go. Exactly. Yeah, that's huge. So what what advice do we have for somebody listening to this show right now and they're saying, I need to buy a property. I need to invest in real estate. I've been trying forever or Sam trying forever, but I haven't really done anything. If you had to give me like, you know, five steps or three, four, five steps to like, I'm going to land a deal. What would you tell me to do? Pick up the phone. Mm. Get a list, pick up the phone. Get over the first hurdle. I think the, the biggest uh, probably fear is in your mind. Just pick up the phone and make offers. They're not going to accept the offers, but make it uh, at least practice. The more you practice, the more confident you're going to be on the phone. Okay, make offers, get the property, solve problems, listen to what the person has to say, and see how you how you can fit in into that. I'm not sure if that's exactly if I understood your question yeah. right, or if I'm. No, that's if great. I'm, uh, but well, yeah. I think what it, what it leads to there is this idea of like, there's no magic in this. Like, no, I, I always say this quote: like nobody ever woke up surprised that they had a six pack like anybody with a <laughs> right. six pack like they worked for that six pack no one's shocked by a six pack and the same thing is true in real estate like no a good real estate investors are never surprised they get a deal they're just like oh there's yeah. another one so my advice would be um, not advice but and this is also what i'm saying what i'm telling myself is success leaves clues yeah exactly right i mean what one person can do another person can do as well just see who has had success and what are they doing and you just replicate that yeah yeah, that's beautiful. All right, I want to dig a little bit more into this stuff and then get moved to virtual assistants. Before we do, I want to bring in this week's show sponsor. But first, one thing we do on this show is that we dedicate 100% of all the ad revenue toward a charity of the guest choosing. So uh, where would you like us to send the money from the show? I support OUR, okay, yeah. Operation Underground. Um, yes. Uh, so it's, um, I mean, probably people know what this is about, but it's a very, very sensitive a topic what's happening in the world right now and to me this is important because i work with children from socially vulnerable families i know what's happening unfortunately i'm coming from a country where this is a problem uh, trafficking sexual exploitation this is a problem yeah so we want to see more positive change in the kid's life all right yeah we'll definitely give the money to our from this episode they're a great organization 
All right, so here are three truths that I've learned about business. Number one, most companies are wildly inefficient. Number two, that inefficiency is caused by not so great leadership. Number three, this is the hard part, your company can only keep growing if you, the leader, keep growing into a higher version of yourself. And that is why if you're a CEO or high-level leader, I strongly recommend you connect with my friend, Peter Awood of Whitestone Coaching. Peter built multiple seven-figure businesses. He's a good friend of mine. He was guest number 18 on this very show. And business-wise, he can help you become more efficient, more profitable, all while spending more time in your own unique zone of genius. And life-wise, he can also help you enjoy more stability, more freedom, get your priorities straight uh, when it comes to health and connecting with your kids and your spouse and your friends. Look, personalized coaching is the best shortcut to success that i found, period, in any and all areas of my life. So here's how to connect with Peter and Whitestone Coaching. Text the word Better Life, all one word, to 55444. Again, you can connect with Peter and start becoming a legendary leader today by texting Better Life, one word, to 55444. Valentina, you went from leads and helping people get leads to uh, virtual assistants. Can you walk me through that, that journey? Sure. Uh, this journey started also when I was working uh, in the real estate company, and it started with me hiring my first team. Uh, so when I was um, the only person in the lead department, I needed to to hire people who were like me. So I, I remember just spending hours and hours looking through thousands of resumes. I mean, just so many. And people presented themselves pretty good at some, some people, you know, the interviews and have great resumes, but they were not what we were looking for. We had to find specific people who really want to make a difference. So I eventually found two people that were in our department. And we this was such a great team that we, I put together. I mean, for real estate, if, if real estate investors are listening to us, they know what I'm talking about, how important follow-up is, how important having your CRM uh, taken care of. Like no lead was left behind. And we're talking about we had thousands of people in follow-up in, in the pipeline. Everything was so streamlined, so well-organized. And not I think, but I know for, for a fact that we were able to have it a very good, we put a very good system in place because I had the right team. And eventually people said, you know what, I, um, I would love for you to do what you're doing for my company. Can you teach my team? Can you show them how it's done? I said no, because I, I, I had a job. I had to be focused there. At some point, I felt like I was burning out, but not from the work, but burning out from the sensation that I can do more. I probably have outgrown the role and I just, you know, I've always been an entrepreneur. I, I, have a, I had a um, company even back home. It was going pretty well. Uh, lots of mistakes, of course. And so I'm doing things a lot differently now than, I'm, than I did back then. You know, this burnout feeling that I had was maybe my wake up call. I said, I need to do more. I came to the United States of America, to the land of opportunities. I can't play small. I need to grow. I have to. This is in my nature. So that's when I... Uh, branched out and I see a lot of people I wasn't really necessarily thinking about virtual assistants back then I guess probably this found me see like best things in life they find you I think that, yeah. that works for me people said can you train my team can you train my team I said I can't train them but I can find a person for you who does this and then the more I got requests like this that's when I started looking for people from all over the world because I'm not an American citizen so if I could do this my work from being in my home country who's to say that I can't find people who are in other countries, you know, who would be so grateful for the opportunity to work on the American market. And that's kind of how I, I started my company, Hire Train VA. Very simple to very easy to remember. We hire people and we train them. I train them on everything I know, especially for real estate investors. So it's HireTrainVA.com. That's what I did. That's how it grew, this company. And um, I didn't necessarily think that it would be a good company. I just wanted to help friends. I wanted to sure. solve problems. That was it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, I'd love to drill you on a bunch of questions around the idea of hiring virtual assistants. Yeah. You know, I'm a, 
There's a great book out there called 80-20 Sales and Marketing. Have yes. you read that one? Yes. Carrie Marshall. Yes. He makes this case in there that there are things that you do in life that are $5 an hour tasks. Mm. There's things that you do are $20 an hour tasks, $100 an hour tasks, $1,000 an hour mm-hmm. tasks. And the more of the $1,000, $10,000, $100,000 an hour tasks you can do in a given day, week, month, whatever, the more money you'll make. But in <laughs> order to do that, you have to stop doing the $10, $15, $20 an hour tasks. So this is where he really pushes in that book and finally convinced me after reading the 4-Hour Work Week, which talks about it mm-hmm. and a lot of other books, mm-hmm. I needed a virtual assistant. And I went through several. I had some good cases, bad. But overall... Having an assistant in general and a virtual assistant is a great way to do that Mm -hmm. is probably the biggest lever Mm -hmm. to an entrepreneur growing and scaling. Like, I mean, there's almost nothing else I can compare. If you can get somebody else to handle 90% of your low dollar power tasks, there's so much more you can do. So I want want to really give people kind of a master class here on hiring a virtual assistant. Sure. I'm an open book. Perfect. All right. So why don't we start with this? Like, how can somebody like overseas Mm -hmm. handle majority of my life. A lot of people are like, well, I mean, they can't take my clothes to the the dry cleaner. So, you know, that's not a thing. Like is a virtual assistant actually better than or just as good as a regular assistant in real life? I have a saying, I always say, if it can be done on a computer, it can be done from anywhere in the world. Yeah, That's it. I mean, that's simple as that. And yes, you'd be surprised how many talented people there are worldwide. I mean, realistically speaking, where do you think you you will find more talent within a 20 mile radius from your office or worldwide? Worldwide. Obviously, right? So, and not only that, but I think people are so grateful for the opportunity to work on the American market. I have people on my team. I have A players on my team. They're wonderful, wonderful people. They always thank me for the opportunity and I'm impacting their lives. A lot of people that I hear say, well, but $5, I don't know if that's fair. Like, isn't that low? $5 goes a long way in some countries. Some countries, they make $5 a day and you're paying $5 an hour. When I was back home, I would have worked for $5 an hour back then. You know, I... The thing is, I didn't know about this world of virtual assistants when I was back home. So I found out all about all this when, when I got here. But I think it would have made a big difference in my life. And there are a lot of people so grateful to be here. So uh, in terms of is a, uh, a local assistant better than a virtual assistant, they're all people. It's all about the personality. It's all about their core values. It's all about how you vet them. But uh, there's no difference in terms of the quality of work that can be done, the level of English they speak. There are people who speak, I mean, their English is fantastic. You know, there's no difference in the hunger they have or the growth they want to have. You know, we're all the same at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love that. One thing that having an assistant has done for me in a number of ways is I am not that disciplined of a person. I like I'll say I'm going to go to the gym or I say I'm gonna, I need to go on a date with my wife or I say I'm going to do whatever. And then I just tend to usually not do it. And I've learned that when I have an assistant, I can tell them in a time where I'm feeling productive, like I should go to the gym later. I can then tell my assistant that. And then she finds a way to make sure that gets done. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like she knows my personality. Mm-hmm. So she's like, hey, Alex, you and Brandon are going to the gym later or whatever the thing is. Right. Now, all of a sudden it gets done more often or another simple example. And it sounds so stupid to say, but like just getting a babysitter. So my mm-hmm. wife and I can go on a date. It's so easy for me to text. I got three or four babysitters. I could text any of them and I could say, hey, can you come over? I just won't do it. And then it'll be Thursday night, date night. It's six o'clock. And I'm like, I don't have a babysitter now. I guess we just won't go on our date night. Yeah. And so it doesn't. It's such a simple thing. And there's a quote that says. What's easy to do is also easy not to do. Mm. And so getting a babysitter, very easy. Ignoring the net fact that I need a babysitter, very easy. And so then I just don't get a date. So instead, like even just right before this thing, I texted uh, my assistant. I was like, hey, I need to talk to you after this podcast about a babysitter. And 
now it'll actually get done. She'll just text the three or four people that we use and one of them will be like, yeah, I can do it. And now it'll actually get done. So when I say this is like having an assistant is like the biggest leverage you can have. Mm -hmm. It's because of that. It's Mm -hmm. nobody's surprised at a six pack. It just takes certain steps. Nobody Mm -hmm. like, so real estate. Okay. What are the steps to buy a real estate deal? How many of those can you have an assistant do? What are the steps to have a better marriage? What can you have an assistant help with to facilitate mm-hmm. environment which I have a better marriage? So it's the ultimate leverage. Yeah, can I give some examples Please. of maybe some tasks that people don't even think yeah. virtual assistants can do? Well, one of them is they can manage your calendar, like you yep. said. They can keep you accountable. Accountability is a huge piece mm-hmm. of that. When you know that someone is is going to remind you repeatedly, yep. you you just do it just to shut them off. Yeah. Just, okay, fine, I'll go, right? I but- use cat for that all the time. My assistant cat, I use it constantly. I'm like, just keep bugging me until I do it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But it helps, right? Uh-huh. Somebody, there's somebody to manage your email, yep. uh, someone to manage your calendar. It could be the same person to keep you accountable. I mean, we homeschool our kids because we travel so much for work. I have a virtual assistant who does homeschooling for with my child. I oh, mean, even cool. that could be outsourced. I'm doing my part as well. But sometimes when I need some extra or something, you know, additional uh, knowledge or specific, more specialized knowledge, I get a virtual assistant for that. And I pay $5 an hour and I get to focus on tasks that bring me $1,000 an hour. Yeah. You know, that's great. So there's again, if it can be done on a computer, you can get a virtual assistant to do it yeah. from anywhere in the world. Do you think people need to have a system already written up before hiring the assist, the virtual assistant, like some kind of like, let's just use real estate, for example. Mm-hmm. I want to find a rental property. So mm-hmm. there are a number of things that a person could do. Like we talked about, they need to, you need to get a list built. Mm-hmm. You need to reach out to them somehow, whether it's call, text, whatever. There's a lot of these steps. Do I need to have that perfectly built out and then I hire a virtual assistant or do I hire the virtual assistant, let them build it out? Do we build it out together? What do you recommend? I don't want to put too much friction. Uh, money loves speed. Mm. And if you're an entrepreneur, you, you need to move fast. I don't want to put too much friction or have this perfect image in your mind before you get started because you will change. Even when I started my my business, right, I had one vision in my mind and it changed so much along the way and it wouldn't have if I hadn't started. So I say, just go ahead and start. You will change anyway. You might as well start now and just embrace the journey. So you don't have to know everything. You can get a virtual assistant who is already skilled. There are virtual assistants who have a ton of experience with real estate. We service probably 80% of our clients are in real estate, especially real estate investors. So, and we have seen virtual assistants that know how to do transactions coordinated, disposition, not to mention cold calling and uh, inbound calls and and follow-up specialists, even acquisitions. They can even close deals for you being from overseas. We have had a couple of uh, people like that too. So don't add more steps between you and your goal. Yeah. See what's out there. If you're very confident in what you know and what you can do, get a virtual assistant, train them to the way, to your expectations. If you're not sure, delegate up. I always say this, delegate up, find someone who's smarter than you or better at you, not smarter, but better at you at, than you at this, at this task. So delegate up. Yeah, I love that. You know, another benefit of having a virtual assistant that I found in my own life was it forced me to get better at managing and leading, mm. right? Because I was, I didn't have any direct reports my entire life. I mean, I just, me and my wife doing real estate by ourselves and that was it. And I never really had to manage people before. And so all of a sudden I had a virtual assistant and I've told the story before on the show, but the first virtual assistant I had lasted like four days. She never showed up to work and disappeared, whatever. It happens. Yeah, it happens. Uh, The second one though, he showed up and I gave him a couple little things and I was like, I don't really know what to give him. I didn't talk to him for a few weeks, gave him a couple more things. And people kept saying, like, like, yeah, I should just let him go. You're wasting your money. It was like 500 bucks a month. I'm like, no, I know I'll get him to do something. Mm -hmm. And I knew it was my fault that I wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I learned over that year how to lead somebody 
And that was, so what, $6,000 for the whole year? Like I paid $6,000 and I became a leader. Not a great one yet, but a better leader. That actual virtual assistant is still the editor of the Bigger Pockets podcast, Dave. He's still around now, 10, 11, 12 years later, 13 years later. Like I'm still working with like, Dave. Yeah, Dave Asai. Yeah, he was my first virtual assistant. We love Dave. We love him. Yeah, he editing this one too. I know. Yeah. Hi, Dave. Dude, what's up, man? <laughs> yeah, uh, he has been. He was my guy from the beginning, and it just yeah, it made me a better leader. Not a, yeah. every time I hire a new person, I became a little bit better leader. Yeah. So if for nothing else, it's worth that. Can I say something here? And I think Dave will appreciate it. But yeah. that's where I'm at right now. I hired my first yeah. VA. Yeah, and you're I have no idea stuff. what to give it. Yep. Give her. We don't communicate well. Yeah, you're and I'm a terrible like, manager. I'm like, this is my. I, I am. I'm <laughs> no, like, this not. is my fault. But you're learning. But I'm, I'm figuring it out. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not super. And easy. there's a reason to keep figuring it out because you keep paying her. So like, don't. You, so it forces you, you, you to. It forces yeah. you to figure yeah. it out. Yeah. One hundred percent. But I also say this. It's like I, I make this metaphor. I have this metaphor. It's like I don't know if you like car racing, right? Mm-hmm. If you if you enjoy car racing. But I always say, I mean, you get the best driver in the world, right? And you put them in a I don't know, Honda or something, they're not going to win that race, right? It's not enough to just have the best driver in the world. You also need to have the right vehicle. So it's the same thing. Like you can get, like you said, maybe this virtual assistant, he proves Dave, right? He proved to be amazing. You love him, right? A hero. And maybe you didn't have the right vehicle just yet for him. Uh, And you you put like, oh, my virtual assistant's not doing anything right. Or I don't know what to like, but maybe it's not the VA. Maybe it is, you're not at that point yet. So it has to be this match between the vehicle and the the driver. And then that's when the magic happens. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what tips do you have for finding that VA? Other than hiring at a company like yours, like if somebody's like, I don't even know what to look for. I don't know yeah, where to good. look for, what countries, like how do I not get screwed over? Oh like, man. What advice so, do you have for finding them? So many good questions and I could talk about this all day, but <laughs> let's let's address a couple of things. What countries? Can I share a mistake that I, I made? Not a mistake, a lesson that I learned. Here's what I wanted to do to be different from anyone else. I said, there are talented people all over the world, everywhere, right? There are talented people in my country where I'm from. Let me just find people there. What I found quickly is maybe that's not the best approach. And the reason for that is, there are talented people, but if they're not familiar with what it is working as a virtual assistant, that means time difference, you know, working remotely. If they don't have this culture of working remotely, the talent is not going to be the best fit. So in terms of countries, stick with what's working. For us, that is the Philippines, of course, the Philippines, Egypt, Jamaica, uh, Latin American countries, uh, Nicaragua, Honduras, Mexico. These countries have proven to be the best. Uh, we also have uh, Lebanon, uh, Guatemala also recently. So if you're looking to get someone, don't reinvent the wheel because this is the this is how I learned it yeah. to just focus on what's working. Yeah. These people already know what it means. They're not going to fall asleep during the shift, you know. So that's the first question when you said uh, what countries to choose from. And then how do I find them? I need to make sure the people I bring on board, they're a good core value fit. I know it's $5 an hour, but like I said, in some countries, $5 goes a long way. So there will be a lot of people competing for those $5. If they make $5 a day and now they're getting $5 an hour, there will be so many people applying. And if you don't believe me, like post a job out there. I'm looking for a virtual assistant and you will be flooded with resumes and applications and all of that. The truth is that the majority of those resumes are not going to be good. Unfortunately, that's true. And uh, our acceptance rate is actually 2%. We reject 98% of people that apply to work with us. But we also have very thorough screening process. So what we're looking for is we're looking for, first of all, a good culture fit. The post that you make online has to attract the right candidate. If it's not specific enough, then you're you're opening the gate for everyone to apply. So how do you attract A players? Just be specific in the language. In fact, when we post a job ad, I actually say this, these are our core values. 
this is what we want. And if that's not you, that's okay. Don't apply. I said, do not apply if this doesn't describe you. Simple as that. That's one thing we do. Another thing we do is we have personality surveys. I think this is so important. Even if that person is good, the virtual assistant, I don't want to ask a fish to climb a tree. Yeah. You know, I want to make sure that they are a good fit personality-wise with the people that we're placing them with. Give them a test. I think this is huge. I'm not saying put them to work for free because that wouldn't be ethical, but give them a little test. Let's say you're hiring a cold caller or you're, you want somebody on the phone. Have a role play with them. Yeah. Because they will impress you with them. They will impress you with the resume at the interview. But then when it comes to the role play, this is how you know what you're going to get. And we have this. We do role plays when we hire for cold calling positions or any phone positions. And then we're not the nicest when we give them objections because we want to see how they react being uncomfortable. You know, sellers out there, they can be rough sometimes. So you want to make sure you have the right person. So put them to a test. When we're hiring someone to help us with social media, I don't really care about the interview or the resume. I just show them a social media profile, say, what would you do about this? That's it. Like, you have this Instagram page. What's working? What's not working? What would you change? Simple as that. So put them to a little test like that. That's how we find the best people. Very cool. And then when it comes to managing them, that can be difficult for a lot of people. In fact, Alex here just mentioned a minute ago, like, Alex, you, you're in that state right now. You're like, I got to figure out how to, what do I give them? I'm just trying not to learn too much from you because yeah. you're, you're not very good at it anymore <laughs> <I'm not>. still. <laughs> no, I'm terrible at this. So I would love actually to bring Alex into this conversation a little bit here. Sure. Hi. Yeah. Hi, Alex. Uh, so Alex Felice, tell us about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? I'm the best there ever was. Okay. <laughs> Creative director at Better Life helps set up all the cameras and turn lights on and a few more things than that. Everything cool you know about Brandon Turner is me. <laughs> it's filtered through Alex. <laughs> okay, uh, for serious. Uh, I need an Alex in my life. Yes. <laughs> I, yes. I um, am grateful that Brandon has given me a tremendous amount of opportunity, more work than one human being can do. <laughs> it's, a good, it's not a complaint. It's a good thing. And I'm forced to multiply myself. And it is not that easy. So the pain led to the desire for an assistant. Uh, I don't pay you enough to hire an American assistant, so you gotta go virtual assistant. Maybe even you guys just like take this interview for a little bit and chat. Like, how can you help Alex get better use out of his virtual assistant? I want to understand what he's looking for. What is his goal? Where do you see yourself with a, this help in six months, in in one year? For me, I I go. How can I unload stuff that's just bogging me down day to day? That's just hard. That I don't really want to deal with. And the hardest part is not. The tasks, it's how do I give them to somebody who can actually take ownership? Mm. So a lot of it is like he said, I'm like, dude, I have a calendar problem. I have four calendars. They don't sync well. I am constantly double booking and nobody filters this stuff except me. Mm -hmm. So if somebody says, hey, can you do this thing? I'm like, yes. And then I look at my calendars. I'm like, oh, no, I can't do that thing. But nobody was, there's no gatekeeper. Second thing is emails. I wake up, I have four email boxes. They're all a mess. I don't want to deal with them. And I need somebody to clean them up, the stuff that only needs to be get done. And then secondly, I'll do what he does. Him and I are the same. It's so bad. Um, <laughs> it's so annoying. <laughs> I go, there. here's an unread important email that I don't feel like dealing with right now. So it'll just get, it'll just get, it'll just line up. Mm. It'll just pile up and they won't get deal with. If I could get that and some other small tasks off my mm -hmm. plate, it would free me up to go, you know, do bigger stuff. But right now I'm getting bogged down by by stuff that I probably looking at my life now, I'm like, I should have solved this five years mm. ago. You know what I love about this conversation? I love the fact that you're so aware of your weaknesses or, or you're, you know your strength, you know what you're good at. 
you know, your your strengths, uh, but you also know like, hey, email management or this or like this. And this is the, the uh, I think, a very important lesson for entrepreneurs. I know a lot of entrepreneurs who say, I'm not good at social media. I need to take time and learn about social media or I'm not good at this. So they focus so much on their weaknesses when instead they should focus more on their strengths yeah. and delegate the weaknesses to someone else. Because if your weakness is calendar management, this is someone's someone else's forte. They live for that stuff, you know, so you complement each other. That's the way it happens. So it, the first step, understanding what you're good at, what you're not good at, and what you want to be taken off your plate. So that's the number one thing. Um, if, do you want to add something? Or, no, uh, yeah. Okay. It's great. Yeah. And then you find that person. So let me see. What else would I need to... If I were to find a person for you, I would just show them, a, uh, show them an email. Hey, I have this 2,000 unread messages. Walk me step by step what you're going to do to clean it up. I'm not an email management expert. But I know a couple of tools. I know a couple of strategies. If they don't know at least what I know, then they're not the right person to propose to someone. So they need to know strategies. And yeah, I recently walked through this two and a half hour course about how to hire VAs from a friend of Brandon's, which was actually tremendous. One of the things he said that was really interesting was there's a tendency to give VAs really rudimentary tasks, Mm -hmm. not hard work. And then what happens is how do I say this? You get this mentality here in the States where like, hey, this is a five, $6 an hour person. You're going to give them these five or $6 an hour tasks. And then what happens is they don't rise to the occasion because mm-hmm. you're giving them tasks that are actually below their capability. And so I've been thinking about that a lot. I'm like, am I just, should I be giving somebody harder? Should I be giving them harder work? Oh, I love this question. And I don't think you should delegate tasks to a virtual assistant. You delegate responsibilities. Because if you delegate tasks, you will always be using your mental capacity, mental energy to think, what else can I give them? What else? Okay, you did this task. What other tasks can I give you? Instead, delegate responsibilities. You are responsible for my calendar, making sure there are no double bookings and that I don't look, I don't, that I don't embarrass myself in front of clients, for example, like that. This is your responsibility. If this happens, it's on you, right? So in my team, for example, I have people who are responsible for a fulfillment or what happens through the the whole process, what happens when we work with someone, what happens, you know, I'm not involved in this. And they come up with new ideas because this is their mini project inside their company. If they have some ideas, they run it by me. And if if I need to approve it, then it's fine. But I'm never running out of things to give to them. That's brilliant. I love that idea of don't give tasks, give responsibility. Mm -hmm. Is that what you said? Like, that idea is just, this is what happened with Dave. I said earlier, right? At first, the whole first year I worked with Dave, I just gave him tasks here and there. And then it put all the work on me to try to find tasks for him. Exactly. But then I was like, hey, you can edit podcasts. Will you just take over the podcast editing? Like you're in charge of editing the podcast. The outcome is an edited podcast. And he's like, great. And he just rose to the occasion, did it way better than I could ever do. Maybe that was what changed yeah. it for him too. Uh-huh. Like- yeah. People like to feel like they can contribute. No one wakes up in the morning and says, I can't wait to be mediocre at my job. <laughs> Nobody says that. I can't wait to be so bad today. Oh, People, so you know, true. they get so much fulfillment when they can make an impact in your life. So give them this opportunity. Trust them. I love it. And the <laughs> yeah. husband has the mic. Yeah. Hello. I wasn't expecting this to happen, but it, <laughs> I just had to add, like, lately we were talking a lot about the idea of intrapreneur. 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 Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, encouraging, like, people in our team and kind of advising the, our clients to think about their VAs, and not only VAs, but everybody on their team as entrepreneurs, because that's where the big growth is happening. Yeah. Because when they treat their little department, uh, if they're department manager, as their business, and they have some incentives to do good, you, you would be amazed how yeah. what transformations happens in that space. I love that. Yeah, treating it like an entrepreneurship. I mean, that's why I was successful at Bigger Pockets back in the day. 
because I treated my job like I, it was mine. Like it, that's I got, what I did too. Yeah, it was like I'm gonna pretend this is my business and I'm gonna run it the way that I would run a business. And, exactly. That's yeah. what I did when I worked for the real estate company. Yeah. The lead department. This is my domain. I, I got it. <laughs> yeah. I have one last question. I have this young lady in the Philippines. We've had a couple of good conversations. I am a very direct mm-hmm. person, mm-hmm. and I do not shy away from. Uh, what would the word be, Brandon? Hostility, aggression. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, so, being an a hole. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I'm not like cussing people out, but I'm no. I'm very much uh, I'm a pusher. Mm-hmm. I'm very pushy. I'm very direct. I know people. Most people do not like this, mm-hmm. right? I have a very select friend group. Brandon regrets flying me out here, <laughs> right? <laughs> if he knew better. I like uh, your directness. Yeah, but I is this a problem with people from other cultures? The Philippines? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've I've heard they're not super excited about confrontation all the time. So how do I deal with, hey, this is your responsibility. You either didn't do it or how do I manage those two like competing ideas? Yeah, I mean, there are some cultural tendencies overall. Let's say what I noticed from people being on the phone. Overall, people from the Philippines are a bit softer. They'll be great at being admin uh, assistants, even cold calling, they're a bit softer. People from Egypt, for example, they are a little more direct. They're mm-hmm. more, you know, so there is a cultural aspect to this. But not only that, like I keep thinking about this uh, VA that we placed with a company, it's a trucking company and also real estate. Um, so the owner has two companies and he was looking for a VA for his trucking company. And he's like, look, but I'm afraid because I'm too direct. I curse. I say, you know, like, I don't care. Like, I'm just very. Um, so I need the VA to be OK with that. We found the perfect VA. He's like he, the way he presented himself at the interview. He was just so like. That um, I work in this industry, I know what this is, nothing bothers me. So maybe find people who have that thick skin, look for that thick skin, and set the expectations right up front. Like, hey, this is what I can do. Are you okay with that? And if they say yes, then they wouldn't be surprised. And, and also give them permission to be the same with, with you. I mean, oh, you I have. Love, I love when people are direct you, with me. Yeah, you have to, like, you know, if you're direct, like, hey, that's exactly what I expect you to, uh, the way you, I, I want you to be with me too. And then there's no you know, no, no hard feelings. And it's never personal. It's never the person. I, I even tell my team this. If we criticize, it's never the person. It's always maybe the work or something needs to be changed or iron sharpens iron. Yeah. So, you know, you, you need to have this direct conversations as long as they know it's fine. But yeah, we haven't had any any issues with that. As long as we know from, you know, in advance that that's what you need. We found that person before. <laughs> Easy. How do you handle sensitive or security type situations like bank accounts or mm-hmm. social security numbers? Is that a concern? How do you help people defend against fraud yeah. or other problems? Oh, yeah. Very good question. It is a concern. It is a concern that I hear a lot. Let's say, what is the guarantee that a person in your office is not going to do this? You know, if a person yeah. has the kind of intention, uh, there's not much you can do to stop them. But it probably happens more often in <sighs> people's offices. Like fraud is a normal probably. thing. Probably. Yeah. The only thing that with virtual assistant, I mean, people in the office, you can have an NDA, you can have something like this. People from outside the U.S., you could technically have something, but legally it doesn't really, yeah. you know, do much. So, but what you can do is there are programs right now you can share. I would say don't start maybe, don't share credit card information right away until yeah. you build some trust. But in terms of passwords or uh, important information, we have a, um, what is that, like a, a password security, yeah. password manager yeah, 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 company or program that we use. So you can share passwords, you can share access to documents, but you restrict what they can and they cannot do. So yeah, if, I used LastPass for a long time and I could share a password yes. with a VA. They couldn't see the password. It would exactly. come up as blocked or whatever on their screen. 
but it would still let them log in and I could revoke it at any time. That was a game changer. Yes, that's good because if the VA leaves, you don't have to go back and change all the passwords and everything. Yeah. You just restrict access. It only obscures the password. It doesn't give them, yeah, they don't know what this is. So this is one way you can do this. Yeah. And LastPass also has something similar with, you can also put bank information. I think I saw this, I know it's like, I'm not sure actually, I might be wrong with this. My my husband is more the technical. It's a different tool. Okay. There are tools out there that can help you do this, but uh, you have to trust that person. I guess that's one thing. I mean, we work with people. Yep. Integrity has to be there. Yeah. And there's safeguards you can put in, like you said, and like if something bad happens, like something bad happens, but yeah. the biggest risk of all is taking no risk. Yeah, right? so like, exactly. You're just going to be afraid your whole life. Have you had any problems? I mean, I'm of the opinion that most people are wildly well-moraled. Yeah, yeah. Most people are good. Most people are good. Yes. We haven't had any big issues like this. I mean, if there's an issue, my team is on top and they get to solve it, but nothing like this that would put the company's integrity or any bank information. Or, no, never. Also, just... When you give access to a card, just make sure you have a limit on that card. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. <laughs> so don't just give access to whatever you have. Have a limit, identify a budget, what they can spend, where they can go. So then you, you take as big of a risk that you can handle. If you are okay with losing a thousand, that's how much you will lose in case that happens. If you're okay with 10, put 10, whatever it is for you. And actually, that reminds me, when I was uh, with a real estate company, as a manager of my department, I had a company credit card and I had to spend money. We had to buy uh, credits to text people. And so I didn't want to go to my managers like, hey, buy more credits. They trusted us. And the way it was, we had this rule. You can spend up to this amount of money for credits. Obviously, we had to present the, the invoices. Anything above, if you need to buy anything for your department above this amount of money, come talk to me. Mm. So that's uh, like what my husband said here, what Andre said. It's That's exactly right. Like set a budget, know what you want, and just have the right people. I think it all starts with the right people. Yeah, agreed. A couple of things. I, you know, I have a virtual assistant. Now, she is American-based right now, mm-hmm. but still virtual assistant, doesn't live in Hawaii. But I thought I'd share just a couple of tips that have helped me, just in case they help other people, that I think have worked really, really well. First of all, I have a system in which I only actually meet with her once a week, which I, most people should mm-hmm. probably meet way more. Uh, but we meet once a week officially for an hour. Mm-hmm. And during that time, we have a list of things to go through. But here's, here's a trick that I did. I've never heard of anybody else quite doing it this way, but it works so good for me. And that is I set up... I think it was Zapier or If This Then That. It was yes. an automation. Yes. So if I text a certain phone number, it'll go into an Asana list, like Asana is a project management mm-hmm. tool or whatever. But Because here's the thing. This is going to sound dumb, but it's the truth. And I think everyone can probably identify with this. It only takes me two, uh, maybe a minute to open up the app Asana on my phone to navigate to the place where I would then meet with my assistant, like that page, and then to add something to that page. That would only take me a minute. But that minute, is just just enough of a hassle that I do not do it. It was mm-hmm. just too much of a worry. But you know what's really easy? Me just going like, and I'll literally do this. Text Asana new. That's what it's called. And it'll, Siri will then text it. And I'll say, blah, blah, blah. Like talk, In fact, if I pull up my Asana from earlier, because I texted it earlier mm-hmm. today, I just text that one phone number. And so the first thing on there that I just did, I did this lot, yeah, yeah, earlier today. I need to send the Mackay organization, which is the nonprofit that I we started here in Maui. I need to send a vision voice memo and a bio by Sunday. I was told that I had to get that done. So for the website by Sunday. So now when I was told that, I was like, oh, I got to do that. Now it's in my head. It's taking up space. I just texted it to this phone number. Now it's on a list that I will then go over with Kat later. Uh, the one before that, I said, hey, can we get some nice black polo shirts that have the newer Open Door Capital logo on it? Mm-hmm. Feel free to run the design by me and make sure the shirt's nice enough to actually want to wear it, not just a cheap shirt. Mm-hmm. So like, 
that one, she doesn't even have to t- talk with me about it. It's just, she's going to take care of it. I'm going to get some designs texted to me later. Just works really, really well. I, I use the acronym TTA. It means to talk about. Mm. So TTA, fire the pool guy. <laughs> That's literally what I wrote. Because <laughs> uh, my brother-in-law is here for the next few months doing an amazing job. I wrote idea for ODC. I put ideas there as well. So yep. idea for Open Door Capital. Uh, what if we did a free, if you watch it, video on saving money on taxes? I thought, what if it was like, hey, we're going to charge $100 for a video. And then people will pay the $100. But if you watch it, you get it back for free. I'm like, it's a cool idea. Yeah. I don't want to forget about ideas. So now Kat has the idea. What it does, all that stuff. And th- I mean, that's just in the last seven hours, something like that, these messages. I just have like just hundreds of them. I mean, just that's hundreds so cool. of messages, right? It takes it out of my head into a place that I am secure and confident it will get taken care of. Some of them are tasks, some of them are ideas, whatever. That system completely changed my life. Like, it's yep. amazing. I'm starting this today. Yeah, it's so yeah. good. I have a Slack channel with, with the VA and yep. a few other people that help me. And I'm like, I'm just going to start dumping. Yeah, I'm just going to create a everything. brain yeah. dump yeah. We do that channel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's a very good system. We also use Asana. Yep. And we follow uh, from Traction. We have L10 meetings. Yep. And so we have uh, ideas. We have issues. We have all of this. And everybody just puts it in that big list. And we also use Asana for uh, for this. It, it helps with yeah with the way we manage it. I love the idea of uh, if this and that or the Zapier. Yeah. Just the voice and it automatically sends. Yeah, I love this. Yeah, because I hate it's love a, it. This. Yeah, I have to stop all friction between doing something or else yeah. I just won't do it. It's the same reason why I like lay out my shoes in the morning if I'm going to go to the gym in the morning or yes. at night if I'm going to go to my gym in the morning. If I can't find my shoes, I'm like, well, couldn't find my shoes in four seconds. Guess I won't go to the gym. <laughs> That's right. Like, <laughs> any friction whatsoever, I just won't do a thing. So right. yeah. Yesterday, <laughs> I keep losing my camera bags. Between here, yeah. the office, my it house. In my house wasn't it? it was yeah, it's here. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what the heck? I bought three Apple Air tags. Did you? Yeah. For all my bags, like those things that because all the same problems you have, I'm just learning how to fix them yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Air, Apple Air tags are the greatest invention of all time. Yeah, I, I saw one them. on your dog. Yeah, yeah. I have one on my dog. Yes, oh, really I li- cool. <laughs> She's always lost. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> it's always gone. Yeah, my Do you dog, always find her? We always there find her. Go. Yep. Apple does. <laughs> yeah. She usually comes home. All right. So anyway, virtual assistants can be game changing. Yeah. I have a buddy who, who gave a good tip recently. Same guy, Kasim, who we watched the video on. He said, if you have to have a perfect American-speaking, English-speaking person, he said, don't be afraid to look at Middle Canada. And this is a cool tip. He mm. said, Middle Canada, like not the coast, because that's really expensive. Middle Canada, they have lower cost of living there. Mm. They're stuck indoors for nine months out of the year. <laughs> and they're all, like ridiculously friendly and nice. And you don't have to pay insurance because they have health insurance covered in Canada. Mm. So he's like, for 40 k you can get a... Uh, English-speaking person for cheaper. So anyway, if it has to be an English-speaking person, that's an option. I thought that was a cool tip too. That is an option. But yes, and we actually, we have somebody from Canada on our team yeah. too. So yeah, that, that definitely works. But also look for, is it, when you say good English, is it uh, grammatically correct English or is it the accent? Because that's yeah. different. Because right. I mean, look at Jamaica. Jamaica, they speak English and find someone with, uh, like we find, we usually, I mean, all, of all the VAs we hire, they have education, they have at least a bachelor's degree. Yep. So, and they speak English as a foreign language. They are about $5 an hour too. So there's a lot of things yeah. you can do. And even the Philippines, Egypt, even, yeah, there's people whose English is so good. Yeah, there's from, people in the Philippines I've hired that you can't tell they're not from America. You can't tell, yeah, not at all. perfect. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. I mean, they put me to shame and I, <laughs> I think I have good English and then I listen to my recording. I'm like, oh my God, how do people understand me? <laughs> <laughs> no, you sound great. But yeah, and, and I think people often are... They think they have to have somebody who speaks perfect English. In reality, there's very few roles that you have to have perfect English. Yes. Like, I, I mean, like, there's probably no roles that you have to have perfect. Especially in America, it's a melting pot. I mean, it's normal to have people with an accent. It is normal. Yeah. yeah this is the best place to, yeah. to, <laughs> yeah, it really is. to feel like I, okay, so here's a little bit off track, but 
as an immigrant to this country, I never, ever, ever felt discriminated or felt different or felt, you know, I have all the opportunities that everybody else has. I felt very included in the system and uh, never felt like you versus us. Mm. This is the perfect place to, uh, to, so yeah, there's so many people that have accents here. It's yeah. it's it's not going to surprise anyone. And I also wanted to say, but if you're on the phone, let's say, because I had a job on the phone, right? And in the South, you have to sound Southern. I don't sound Southern. <laughs> it's not what you say, it's how you say it. It's how you connect human to human. Yeah. It's how you connect, how to, yeah, on a human level, because you can have the perfect English, but if you sound robotic, if you don't actively listen, then it's not going to do you any any good. And then probably my success was not how I sounded, but what I, how I understood, how I listened more. Yeah. You, if you're doing, if any real estate investors are listening to us right now, and if you're doing calls, you should be speaking 30% of the time. Let the prospect speak 70% of the time. Yeah, great point. You know, so you don't have to speak that much. <laughs> yeah, and some some of the the anti-accent, maybe like sentiments, like, like you said, it's it's not the accent, so it's like how you say things. For example, you ever get an email that says like, dear sir slash madam. Like oh, yes. no one in America would um, ever say yep. dear sir, madam. Mm -mm. But in other countries, that's clearly a thing that they, that's how they, they say it, right? So it's like just some training, just like, hey, don't say it that way. You know, say it this way instead. Or when you get on the phone, like, hello, mister, or whatever. Like, their scripting will take care of 90% of that. Yes. Oh, can I tell a little joke about this? Please. I have I have a version of this for the internet, just in general. I write my name, Alexander, everywhere mm -hmm. on the internet because I like the way it looks. Mm -hmm. And that's my name. Yeah. Nobody in my entire life has ever called me Alexander, except yeah, Miss Kate, except Miss Kate. She calls me Alexander, <laughs> right? Because she's the only one, right? Everybody calls me Alex. So when I get a cold DM, an email, something, and they say, Alexander, I know we are not friends. <laughs> and I've been Smart. doing that for 10 years on the internet and it works. Smart. Hi, Alexander, such and such. I'm like, nope. spam. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that's a version of what yeah, you're yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah 100%. And that, that's actually a good point you're bringing because that's exactly what we train. Uh, we, well, in our company, we hire and we train virtual assistants. And that this understanding American culture is very important. Yeah. Uh, hi, good morning. Nobody says that. You, yeah. you have to sound like this local friendly person, yeah. but also the tonality that you have. I feel like a lot of people from overseas, they feel like the seller is here and they are beneath them, right? So you, you got to elevate your status a little bit more. So it's little things that really sets you apart. You sound like a telemarketer. If you're too sweet, you have kids, yes, right? Yep. I mean, look, when my daughter, my oldest daughter comes to me and she's overly sweet and she's like, hey, mom, I'm like, what, yeah, do, what do you want? want? Yeah, what do you want? What have you done? What yep. happened, right? So it's the same thing with when you call on the phone, if, especially if you have a virtual assistant and they're overly sweet in the prospect's mind, that's exactly what they're thinking. Okay, what's wrong? What do you want? You're going to sell me something. You you know, you want my money. You, you, you know, all of this stuff. So just understand people, um, a psychology, understand the seller's mind. And it's... Yeah. It's not the accent. It's really not. It's understanding these little things, mm. getting it. inside the seller's mind and and speaking their language and, and disarm them so they trust you. Nobody likes telemarketers. And the moment you sound like one, yep. click. Yep. You know. All right. What you're giving well, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I click. I, I get a, I get ten phone calls a day yeah. for my properties. Yeah, and I click. I'm too nice, it, which is a surprising. <laughs> I listen to them. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm definitely not selling ever. Thanks, <laughs> but I should just hang up. That's all right. Let's move on. I'm um, curious a little bit about you personally. We've got this uh, handsome gentleman in the room over here. Where'd you meet your husband? Oh, I was not expecting this question. <laughs> no one has asked me before. No one. So it's um so I've known him for a long time. We have been very good friends and my best friend was dating his best friend at the time. So we were hanging out in the same same circle. I met him back home in my home country in Moldova in Chisinau, the capital where I'm from. So and we were yeah, we were just friends for a long time. But then I 
kind of grew into this, the, the love that we share. And I think it because we speak the same language. Uh, what I like about him is he's incredibly smart. Uh, he has a very entrepreneurial mind. And when we talked, it would be hours. And we didn't really realize that, hey, we're, you know, it's like, it was such a connection, such a spark. Because we started as friends, I, I, I got to know him. It wasn't, a, we weren't trying to impress each other, mm-hmm. you know, because we were, didn't go like on a date, try to impress each other. It started very natural, very like, this is who I am. This is who you are. And we just clicked. You That's know? cool. What have you done in the last, you know, few years, last year, whatever, uh, to improve your marriage? Like what, any tips or advice or thing that you guys do that's giving you a better marriage? Mm-hmm. I think for us, th- this is what works for us. I wish we could go on more date nights. Mm-hmm. That's true. And we, and we are aware of that. We, we need to do this. I think maybe the way we wish it is because we're going to look back and say, why didn't we go on as many dates? But I don't feel like we have necessarily the need to go on as many uh, dates because what fuels us both is when we talk about business, Mm -hmm. when we see the vision. We're both visionaries. I mean, we're both visionaries. That's our personality profiles. We took personality tests as well. That We're both visionaries. Sometimes we butt heads because we're both stubborn. Uh, But in the end, this is what works. And when we talk about, okay, let's create a funnel. Let's do this. Well, let's do this. I think this brings us very close to each other. If you have to go on a date with your spouse, do this if this works for you. I don't think if there's a relationship or some advice that works for every marriage. See what makes you happy, something that both of you enjoy. For us, it's work. I don't know if uh, he wants to say something. I'm I'm curious about that. Yeah, let's hear it. All right. Yeah. So I think because we come so from where we come, we we have this desire to win. We always have this feeling that we are behind because mm-hmm. we didn't get the chance to be part of this for 20 years like everybody else, right? We have just five years here and we have to have a job and we have to, like, I think like we wanna catch up mm. and that's why we are like so pushing and learning and reading and trying to do things and experimenting and like trying to support each other. And like, sometimes I have bad days and she's like, no, it's good. Sometimes she will have bad days and I'll say, no, like, it's fine. Look at this, see the positive. So I think this kind of cheering for each other sometimes goes so much longer than just going out and disconnecting because uh, that's important too. And we do this, but not that often, but that kind of spark, it's probably the the thing that kind of keeps the glue straight. I think you just said Strong. the phrase cheering for each other. Yeah. Like, I love that line. That yes. says like, like how are, how can we better cheer for our spouse and our significant other, you know, not just exist, but cheer for them. Yes. That's cool. And that's, us. and I love it when we're reading a, a book together now, when, when he gets to a part, it's like, look at this. And we share mm. something that he likes. And I'm like, oh, I love this yeah, idea. You know, like cool. all of this is just, uh, yeah, it's our life and we yeah. like it like that. But maybe it doesn't speak to everyone the same, yeah. you know. Yeah, I feel like my but, wife and I haven't read a book together in probably I don't know, 15, 20 years, a long time. Maybe since like Rich Dad, Poor Dad. But just the other day, we were reading one called Habits of the Household. It's like a Christian mm. parenting book. But uh, yeah, we did that the whole time. Like I'd read a chapter and be like, oh, this is really cool in here. Oh, they had this really cool idea for this thing. And, the, and we just went back and forth. Yeah. And I'm like, why haven't I been doing this for 20 years? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, reading a book is fun together. Didn't you guys write a book together? We did write a book together. Did you really? <laughs> yeah, we wrote uh, this one, the book on managing rental properties. Mm. But that was like, she wrote majority of that, 70% of that. And I just filled in the blanks. But <laughs> So it's your best book yet? Yeah. <laughs> that is our highest uh, reviewed, like the most positive reviews. It's straight five star on Amazon. So people like Heather. What did it mean for your marriage? What now, did, now I'm into <laughs> Doing you, writing, okay. writing a book writing together. Writing a book together? Yeah. Writing a book is the most challenging thing like I've ever done. Like it was harder than a triathlon and, and like writing a book is incredibly difficult, like a real like long book because it's just 
every single day for months and months and months. You used to write for hours and you just want to give up constantly and you feel dumb. So it's like when we interviewed Brody and Andrea, like it was just like they ran out, what was 150 miles or something like that together. There's just something about doing a really, really hard thing that mm-hmm. when you get done with it, for the rest of your life, you look back, like no matter whether we're in good times or bad times, we can look back and say, we did that together. Oh, we did a hard thing. That. Yeah. So that, w- that would be a challenge for people is like, if you don't have that memory in your marriage, like what's a hard thing that you can do in your relationship that you will forever look back and be like, dang, we did that. Could be writing a book. Yeah. Oh. It could be running a marathon. Could be something completely different. But yeah, I, that's a challenge for people is I love do something that. hard. There's more we do together. We have a little garden that we work oh, yes. on. Yes. Springs like all the way through spring to the yeah. We grow our own food, yes. Oh, that's cool. So we build a terrace, we build some more stuff around the house. We like whenever we need time to disconnect, we just get out now. We have where to do these things. So yeah. That's another thing that connects. Yeah. That's cool. Tremendously. I have let down my wife on not, I have not gardened with her, even though she really would love to. And like, so then she doesn't garden as much. And this is not a dig on her. It's like, she wants it to be our thing. Mm. And I don't care about gardening. (laughs) But I guess what I should do is go garden somewhere. And that's a hard thing. Like to maintain a garden is kind of like writing a book. Like every day, pretty much during, especially in Hawaii, every day is growing season. So like, it's a lot of work all the time to just maintain a garden. But yeah, I think that's that's a really good... Uh, yeah, the way we look up at this is is seeing our kids like planting the seed yeah. and then getting the fruit. That's the biggest reward. That then why we do this yeah. because initially it wasn't about us connecting. It was about showing the kids like the circle of life in a yeah, way. Yeah, that's cool. And like you just sticked, and now we do it for us too because we get great. But yeah, but yeah. time. But to yeah. your point, I love it. It's like this is something that works for us. We have a lot of projects that he enjoys and I don't. Fishing. <laughs> I don't understand how men like fishing. Like he could spend days and like and I like. I actually dude. don't get it either. <laughs> okay, but that's just not my world. So maybe just yeah. But yeah. you wrote a book. I mean, that's huge. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> together, fishing, yeah. I sh- I wanted to fish when I was a kid. I thought it would be fun, and I, I've done it now a couple dozen times. And every time I'm like, really wish I was like working. <laughs> I'm like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I get it. People probably wonder why I roll around with sweaty men on a mat in a, in a hot gym. And I'm like, I don't know. It's just fun. Yeah. It's fun to have some guy's legs wrapped around my neck, choking the life out of me. I don't know. <laughs> we get into weird things. All yeah. right. Moving on. Let's head to the next segment of the show. It's called the three, two, one pivot. Okay. So I use the word pivot, meaning your life was going one direction and it changes a little bit because of mm. something, you know, something happens. Uh, that's the pivot. So three pivot books. Three books mm. that change the direction of your life a little bit. And then we'll talk about two pivot people mm. and then one quote that made your life pivot. So let's uh, start with the books. Three pivot books. I like Expert Secrets, Russell Brunson. So good. Love it. Mm. And I'm not just reading it, I'm studying it. Yeah. So do the exercise of that. I like The Ultimate Sales Machine. Yep. Chad Love Holmes. it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Great book. I was um, just thinking about that this morning. Funny. I was like, oh, really? Think about the top 100 books that impact my life. I'm going to make a YouTube series on that. And I was like, ultimate sales machine. That's definitely on there. It's very good. I like it. I like, let's see, business-wise, I think traction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It gives clarity and puts everything in place. Other book right now, 100 million offers. So good. 
So good. Did you see the live presentation he did? Were you there? I didn't <laughs> yet, but I have it saved on my computer to go watch because I heard it was pretty phenomenal for $100 million leads. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The $100 million leads. Yeah. I have that one I haven't too. read leads yet. Me but, neither. Yeah. But the offers one is, yeah, that's what I have. It's very good. I feel like you could, if you end up starting an internet business, you could do nothing but read $100 million offers like 50 times and just uh, follow every single thing yes. and you're guaranteed to be a millionaire. Yes. There's no way you're not. Same with Expert Secrets, actually. Same thing. I was going to say the same blueprint thing. Blueprint for being a millionaire yep. online. I'm combining this two because if you're seen as an expert and yep. if you know how to get leads, it's like, that's it. That's why I'm, I used to read like hundreds of books per mm-hmm. year. Yeah. And now this year, I'm probably just these two, but I'm studying them. Yes. Like I read them and go again and again and again. And what did they say? How did they do it? So it's, yeah. Yeah. I mentioned 80-20 sales and marketing earlier. That mm-hmm. book was, that the year I read that, I only read two books that year. It was The One Thing and 80-20 sales and marketing. I just went back and forth. I either listened or read each one at least a dozen times, if yeah. not more, that year. I just went over and over. Because I'm like, if I can just get this in my head and get it right. And I studied it and I put it into practice and I hired a VA and all like, it, I knew it would make a difference and it 100% made yeah. yeah. So there are years where you can consume and there are t- books you can consume and then there are books you need to study. Exactly. Yeah. And I think there's probably a lot more studying needing to be done yeah. and less consuming. And this is the thing about books. It's like, I read so many books and some people say, oh, I already read that book. I don't need to read it mm-hmm. again. You'll discover new things yeah. based on where you are in your entrepreneur on your entrepreneurial journey. 100%. Like I read Expert Secrets before. So, oh, okay, I got the idea. So you yeah. have to be this. And now when I'm reading this, I'll go, oh, hold on a second. I'm in this journey right now. This is what I need right now in my business. That's what I'm not doing. This is what I should be doing. And like a lot of people maybe brag. It's like I read so many books. That's what I used to do too, yeah. which is good. But just reading is not enough. Like read the right thing at the right time. Yeah. That's what's going to make a big difference. Thousand percent. Mm. All right. So, what about people? Two uh, people that have pivoted your life, changed your life mm. for the better. I want to say a family, my host family. Okay. When I moved to the United States, yep. and um, I'm thinking uh, career-wise, and Bill Allen. Yeah, yeah. Bill Allen's a he's legit. I like that. He's dude. Uh, yeah. That was my first boss when I came to the states. Yeah. Got me to where I am now, and having his support and just learning from him, and very smart guy, and I love what he's doing, and again, good core value fit. Yeah. 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 We'll have to get him on the podcast soon. All right. And lastly, what about a quote? Do you have a quote that kind of guides your life or has changed your life? Uh, yes. No one's coming. Mm, no one's coming. Do you know, you know what this yeah. is, right? Yeah. Yeah. For those who don't like, no one's coming to save you. Yep. I think that that was me maybe for a long time. Maybe when I was back home, I definitely, definitely had a different mindset. I was like, well, I'm so smart. I'm doing this. Why don't opportunities just come to me? Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. no one's coming to save you. No one's coming to give you yep. what you need. No one's coming to see like, okay, well, I'm better than this person. Why don't I get the same? Why, is, why does mm-hmm. everybody know that person and not me? Well, because visibility beats ability. You know, this you have to be known. But also no one's coming to save you. No one owes you anything. You have to do it all yourself. There's a great and, book by James Altucher, I think is his name. He wrote a book called uh, Choose Yourself. Mm-hmm. And that made a big impact to me at a young age where I'm like, yeah, like in all of human history, you're generally chosen, but the internet has made it so you can choose yourself. Like yeah. I'm going to be a movie star and yeah. I'm make YouTube videos. And then I'm going to like, yeah, Mr. Beast chose himself oh, yeah. or, you know, that little Ryan kid chose himself to be like the YouTube people. You can choose yourself because no one's coming. Mm-mm. Yeah. It's okay if you fail. This mentality, is this a, this is a coming to America immigrant mentality? Because I yes. feel like a lot of yeah. people in America are like. I know exactly who's coming to save me, the government. Yeah, the government's coming to you save think me. So? Yeah. No, that's <laughs> that, not my experience yeah. at all. Yeah, they think they well, think you, it's you, you hang out with the Bill Allen and the, that crew. Yeah. Like you hang out with a bunch of entrepreneurs. I mean, there's a lot of folks in the United States that are yeah. sitting on their laurels 
you know, relaxing. I'm not saying that they're all waiting for the government, but like that mentality that like I'm. I'd say 70 percent of Americans are waiting on the government to. Bail well, they, they think somebody. Point. Somebody's gonna. Come. They think so, they're like they're fine. We're gonna that's, be fine. Somebody will solve this for me. Yeah. That's not my experience. This is yeah. very common in my country. We're poor because this government doesn't do this for us, or mm. uh, you know, they they just steal from people. They got millionaires by stealing. Like this mentality. Like I worked so much my entire life, and now my social, you yep. know, passion is this. I mean, yeah. look at yourself first, right? Take this ownership. Yeah. And that's not what I want to do. And uh, it probably changed even, um, I mean, I've always been like this, be on my own. I know I'm responsible for my life, but probably it amplified more when I came to the States, not less, yeah. if anything. That's, I'm yeah. very interested to, I'm curious to see why you said that. I think it explains also the importance of the people you surround yourself with. Like yes. you adapt their mentality. And so like, yeah, when I get into certain circles, like especially like old high school friend circles or or just like non-real estate business entrepreneurship circles, I'm like, oh, that's right. This is how the world thinks. Like, that's right. They're all victims. They're like they're all like, and not all of them, right? But there's a lot more. But then I go back into, you know, real estate entrepreneurship business world. And I'm like, no, we're all, we're all pretty similar. We all think the same way. There's two Americas when it comes to mindset. And it's very important you choose the right group to be a part of because it'll change your destiny. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Past, present, future. What is your advice to your younger self? If you could go back and give yourself some encouragement or advice, what would you say? Do more. Do more. Do more. Like, don't be stuck in your own mind. I don't know if I can say yeah. this. It's okay. Like, don't be afraid to fail. That's what I'm saying. Do more. Just get out there. Do it. Yeah. You know, if you fail, that you'll learn. I have a friend who says you always get the minimum what you out of something. You never know the maximum you're going to get out of something. So just do it. I mean, even if you get a job, what is the minimum? You're going to get paid. You'll have a salary. All that. You don't know the maximum. Like, look where my job took me. Who would have thought that five years later I would have been here in Hawaii for a podcast on an invitation. Come on, this is huge, right? Or speaking on big stages, or I came with $400 in my pocket. You know the minimum you're getting. Oh, it's a job, but you don't know what doors it opens. So just do more, be out there, take risks. That's probably what I would say to my past self. And also I would be like, and I I would also tell myself, and also everything's going to be fine. The people you love and care about, they're all happy and healthy and good. Because, you know, that's, to me, that's knowing that the loved ones are good. that's, That's the most important thing. So, you know, a related question, I don't think I've ever asked on the podcast, but I like this question and I'll throw it at you. It's very, very similar. But if your 17 year old self mm-hmm. saw you today, what would they say? I think she would say we made it. Mm. And it's funny because I don't feel like I've made it yet. Yeah. You see, the goalpost always moves. Yep. And it, it's funny because if I, if my 17 year old would see it, like, that's it. That's everything I wanted to, to be. That's what everything I wanted to have. And now I have new goals, new dreams. Yep. So maybe this is a good reminder to take some time to appreciate what you have yeah. and enjoy the rewards of your, of your work. And it's good to, to have, to dream more, to, to do more, but also take some time to enjoy that. Yeah. That's why I like that question. Yeah. Cause it yeah. reminds you like back then, like. What you have today is what you prayed for back that's then. That's exactly right? what I prayed for. So yeah. If only I had my own house. Yeah. I want kids. I want this. Yep. And that's exactly what I have now. I want to have my own business. I want to have this financial, yep. I don't know if I have financial freedom yet, but at least financial uh, security. Security mm-hmm. and yeah. yes. And you have skill sets that you should be fine yeah. for the rest of your life because of the skill sets and, and the work I think you have. That's exactly what I would have considered success yeah. back then. Mm-hmm. Alex, let me ask you that question. What would your 17-year-old self say to you? To, think about where you're at today. I'm sitting here dreading this question right now. <laughs> You know, I was such an apathetic slacker with a bad attitude at 17 that I thought I was very entitled to Mm. what the world was going to give me. Mm. And I didn't even know what that was. So I did not design this life. I'm incredibly grateful for this life. And in many ways, I do feel that way. I'm like, I've made it right in so many ways. I'm so grateful because I really didn't do it by design. 
I didn't know I was going to do cameras. I didn't know I was going to be in real estate. These are not things that I planned. There's some sort of like opportunities I found along the way that I invested in, but certainly hadn't, I didn't know I was going to be in living in Maui even last year. Yeah. <laughs> it was not on my to-do list. See, That's you funny. always know the minimum, never the maximum and with knowing yeah. the right people and all of that. That's true. All right. Next question. What is something you've done, like a change or a habit or an action, something you've done in the last 12 months that has improved your life, given you a better life? I'm not sure if it's a habit. I mean, it's not a hmm. habit, but um, I have an eight-month Oh, that's that improved your life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. It has completely improved my life. She's, she's amazing. She's very sweet, very nice. So just... That's, that's, cool. that's probably my, my biggest. That's a great answer. If I look back at 2023, this is probably my biggest personal achievement. Yeah. I mean, not def definitely not maybe, but definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And then what do you want your legacy to be? In other words, at the end of your life, when you pass away, what do you want people to say about you? Yeah. I want them to say that I, I was a person with integrity. Mm. To me, it's important to know that I do the right thing, even when no one is watching. I want to live a life that my kids would be proud of. I also want to show my kids that Again, no one's coming. Be on your own. Like they'll probably think this is success. Uh, I think so too. Or maybe I'm underestimating. You see, like maybe uh, I don't know what. It, like what is that? Oh, I want to be a billionaire. I don't know. Like you know, but like it's. But I think the legacy is I made an impact. I made an impact on the people that I I, I touched, and so it's like my, my the, the team that I worked with, the clients I served, my family. I leave something that I'm hoping my kids would like to copy. Yeah. I think that would be a very good compliment of me living the life the right way. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think. All right, time for the wrap up. Two questions. The first one, what are you excited about in the future? What's coming up for you? Anything cool planned? Yes, business mice. We're always working hard. We're always looking. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited about this journey and I'm excited to learn more and, and pivot and adapt and change. So uh, we're working on defining maybe the system, the system that we have right now for hiring, maybe just putting it on, on paper, defining it better and just showing others how to do it as well. Yeah. That's what I would like to do. Showing others exactly so they they don't have to make the same mistakes that I made and they have to just shortcut their their success as well. So this is in the near future what I'm this is what what we're working on towards right now. Cool. And then lastly, where do people find out more about you? Where do they connect with you at? Oh yeah, very easy to find. Go to my Instagram Valentina Brega or Facebook Valentina Brega. I have a YouTube channel as well, my name. And or if you're looking to get VAs, hiretrainva.com. Hiretrainva.com. Yeah. Very easy to remember. We hire and we train VAs. Love it. All yeah. right. Well, thank you for joining today. Thank you so much. So much fun. Thanks. Thanks. And that is the show. Thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of A Better Life with Brandon Turner. I hope you enjoyed the insights and the wisdom uh, brought to you today on the show. If you found value in this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, your feedback actually does help us improve the show. We look at the feedback. I look at the feedback and we can reach more people with our message of living a better life. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow me on social, Beardy Brandon. And hey, before I go, this show is all about the habits, actions, and beliefs that can give you a better life. But in case you're interested and you want to know my opinion on what it takes to live the best life ever, and that includes some of my kind of weird spiritual beliefs maybe, Check out abetterlife.com slash best life. Abetterlife.com slash best life. Thank you again for listening, and I will see you next time on A Better Life with Brandon Turner.